0: Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. about this syphilis outbreak that we're hearing about from the province the acting medical officer of health is dr michael isaac and he joins us on the phone now good afternoon doctor good afternoon thank you for doing this i appreciate it so um i want to talk about the history of syphilis in manitoba because we have heard a lot about manitoba having a lot of syphilis over the years but what's this latest trend that you're noticing
1: Yeah, thanks, Al. So uh, we have had syphilis outbreaks in Manitoba in the past, and they've largely been concentrated to to urban areas in Manitoba and populations of men who have sex with men. But we've noted in the past three years that the number of cases uh, in women um, and that are being passed between heterosexual partners have have very much increased um, to the point where now there's a risk of those women who are pregnant to passing it to their babies in utero.
0: And you've had almost a dozen babies born where uh, they're being born with syphilis.
1: That's correct, yeah. So we've had, uh, we have had our first case of congenital syphilis after many years of no cases back in 2015. And then we had another case in 2017. And uh, we noted in late uh, pardon me, 2018 and early 2019 that more than 10 infants have been treated for congenital syphilis. Some of those infants had signs and symptoms of congenital syphilis. And others didn't, but they were at high risk because their mums weren't treated for syphilis uh, adequately in pregnancy, so they were treated precautionary.
0: And why this flare-up? What's causing this?
1: Uh, you know, I think it's related to, to many things. When we went back and looked at some of the congenital cases uh, of syphilis, there appears to be uh, a link between substance use or addictions in, in mums, uh, as well as a lack of prenatal care. So about 30% of the mums... Um, who had infants with congenital syphilis, uh, had no prenatal care on record.
0: Is uh, is the meth, we were just talking about the meth crisis, is the meth crisis playing a role here? Yeah, so what we're seeing in North America
1: is that there is a link between syphilis and injection drug use, including crystal methamphetamine use, and of course everyone knows in Manitoba, crystal methamphetamine ha- has been a, uh, a difficult issue um, we have noted an in- increase in injection drug use and the number of uh, of needles and syringes that are going out through harm reduction programs, and and so there does appear to be a link between uh, uh, injection drug use and syphilis.
0: So, what's the treatment for these babies? Uh, how, how do they? Uh, what what do you, how do you treat them? Um, so the
1: infants themselves would be, would be um, assessed by a, a, a specialist in pediatric infectious disease, and the treatment is, uh, is penicillin, uh, but the, the baby has to be admitted to hospital for a 10-day course of uh, IV penicillin. Uh, for adults who get syphilis, um, the treatment actually is quite, uh, quite easy or reasonable. It's one dose. For most people, of of penicillin via injection, and it is completely curable.
0: And so, um, what impact does this have on the rest of us, other Winnipegers and Manitobans? Uh, I think it's just good to note that
1: um, you know the risk of sexually transmitted and bloodborne illnesses is is higher than it used to be in Manitoba. So, if you are uh, someone that's having unprotected sex, uh, someone that's um, injecting drugs, you're going to want to get tested. Uh, at least every three to six months, not only for syphilis, but also for HIV, hepatitis C, gonorrhea, and chlamydia.
0: And before I let you go, Doc, uh, you know, I came to Winnipeg in 89, 30 years ago, and I think right from when I got here, I heard, and I don't know if it's true, but I know I always heard that there was a lot of syphilis in Winnipeg and Manitoba. Is that the case, and why is that?
1: No, you know, it's a a good question. So there were many years where we had zero uh, syphilis, locally uh, transmitted cases of syphilis. And the only cases that we had were imported from other jurisdictions. Um, So, you know, in terms of the syphilis in Manitoba, especially around the mid to late 2000s, we had very few cases. Um, But, of course, you know, as we were just talking about, it certainly has been ramping up over the past uh, several years.
0: Yeah. Dr. Isaac, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. Thank you. Dr. Michael Isaac, he is the province's acting medical officer of health. A syphilis outbreak. Over the last six months, 10 babies have uh, been born with and are now being treated for, or have been treated for, congenital syphilis. A trend, a health trend, not a good one, here in the province of Manitoba.
2: People talk about the window to win. The window to win may be that they have the ability to be competitive for, say, the next three to four years. But the fact is when you have a chance to be in the top five, let's say the top three teams in the NHL, which the Jets have been all season, you have a chance at the Cup. When you have that chance, you do not bark or shake your head at the hockey gods. You go in, you go get that player.
0: That is Leah Hextall. Hextall on hockey on the start this morning with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. She was right. The Jets, Christian O'Mell, went out and got Kevin Hayes and maybe more coming.
3: Maybe more coming. The deadline has officially come. It's 2 o'clock is when the deadline is. It does not mean and it never means that all the trades are done. There's a bunch right. that are kind of sitting in the queue. They have to be filed mm. to the NHL by one fifty nine fifty nine but they kind of trickle out over the next 15 to 20 minutes. So the expectation is that the Jets aren't done yet Uh with Kevin Hayes. Now, a big pickup for the Jets, they were rumored to be in on Hayes for a while when people were looking at what they could be going for at the trade deadline. The thought was Mark Stone, the price would be too high. He has been traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll talk about that in a second. But for Hayes, he's a, a, a center that they'll probably play on the second line. Depends on Paul Maurice's blender what night it's going to be, who he's going to play with. Could probably be right now Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers if Lainey stays on the top line. He's a good puck mover. He's a strong player. He's a big guy, 6'5". So he adds some depth down the middle, kind of like what they did with Paul Stastny last year. And we're now looking to see, is that it? Or are they going to bring in a defenseman? They know what we don't in the severity of Dustin Buffalo and Josh Morrissey's injuries, right? Yeah. If they're out for a week or two, maybe they don't have to go get somebody that's really good. If they're going to be out a while and Morsi's injury did not look good last night, we, right. again, we're just speculating. We'll hear more from the GM, Kevin Sheffield, later today. But I would expect that we're going to hear maybe another depth forward and uh, depth defenseman maybe in the next 20 minutes.
0: Now, uh, I'm already hearing on Twitter from some people, they aren't crazy about the Kevin. They A lot of people, it seems, wanted Stone.
3: Well, we always want the Ferrari, but sometimes you got to take what's
0: practical, right?
3: So what we're looking at with Hayes is a very strong center. And the reality is people in Winnipeg probably haven't watched a lot of New York Rangers games this year. They've played them twice. Hayes didn't do much in either game statistically. Mm. But this is a player that is a good hockey player. And they were never going to get Stone because they were never going to give up what Vegas had to give up for Stone, which wasn't a first-round pick, but— Eric Brandstrom is one of the top defensive prospects in all of hockey. 19-year-old Swedish kid, 5'10", great puck mover, that's having a good first year in the AHL already. He goes to Ottawa, so some people are like, well, is that return good? It sounds like that's the best Ottawa could have done, giving up an unrestricted free agent. They also get a roster player in Oscar Lindbergh and a 2020 pick, uh, second-round pick. So I never thought Mark Stone was on the table for for Winnipeg, Mm. but... I think Jets fans should feel good about this, but nothing's going to make them feel good until they start winning. Well, right, right. Regardless of who they acquire,
0: yeah. So let me let me play. This is what Kevin Hayes uh, told reporters in a conference call earlier about him himself, his play, and and what he brings to the Jets. And then you can weigh in on this if you want, Christian.
2: I think uh, over the last couple of years, uh, I've become a a well-rounded player. when I first entered the league, I was I was mainly all offense, but I've uh, learned to play pretty
0: well defensively, and and um, uh, I have my previous coach and Lane Vigneault and David Quinn uh, to thank for that. So that's what he had to say about what he brings to the Jets. And are you are you getting word on another trade here? What yeah, Wayne Simmons was
3: one of the top forwards on the list of. Available yeah. players has been traded to the Nashville Predators. Oh boy! So that's big news in the Central Division. As we were kind of waiting, what's Nashville going to do? They made a one-for-one one swap with of forwards with Minnesota, yeah. Mikhail Granlund for Kevin Fiala. But this is the big one. This is mm. a tough power forward. Uh, twenty-seven points this year. It's a little lower for Simmons, thirty years old, but he can yeah. he can add toughness to that lineup. And it's a player that if Winnipeg's playing in a seven-game series, yeah. Right. probably would rather have on their team. Yeah. But again, I don't think he was going to be available to so,
0: Winnipeg. So answer me a question. So okay. how much of, of this is about, now the Jets see that. Yeah. Right? Now, like, it's too late now. It's after 2 o'clock. Yeah, I'm seeing that came
3: in at, uh, I guess, three minutes before the deadline. That one was filed.
0: Right. So maybe the Jets knew nothing of that by the 2 o'clock. But uh, how much is, is this a chess game? You know, if you see Nashville... Bring in a player like that. Are you trying to counter that? Are you just trying to make your team the best you can make your team heading into the playoffs, not worrying about who you might match up against? I think it's
3: a bit of the latter, but you're certainly, the fact that this came in three minutes before two o'clock, I'm sure the Jets knew about it before that, that Mm -hmm. this was something in the works. And I think if you're Winnipeg, it's really based on your own salary cap situation, what you can move, what kind of picks you have that you can worry about more than anything that anyone else does. Mm-hmm. Certainly, if there's a bidding war for a player, then yeah, you might have to worry about what another team is doing. Mm-hmm. But in the case of Mark Stone or Wayne Simmons, the Jets looked at what they had, the salary cap room that they have now, the possibility of signing an extension on these players. They were never going to re-sign Stone, right. who has apparently got an $8 million kind of $9 million extension in the works with Vegas that he's mm-hmm. going to sign soon. But this team has to worry about Patrick Line. They have to worry about right. Jacob Truba. They have to yeah. worry about Kyle Connor. Mm-hmm. They have a, a number of young players that they need to lock up. That they can't take on a huge number. They don't want to give up too much, knowing that they're only going to have this player for two to four months. Right. Right. So that's the that's always the risk at trade deadline day. And usually we don't see Kevin have Shev- 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 making big, huge plays. But that's because we haven't seen the Jets this good normally
0: they're sellers well it's like it's like what Hextall said there right about Mm -hmm. the window exactly Jordy Jordy Douglas told me that last week too the window is so small when you're when you're in the running to win the cup you got to make your moves then and there
3: well and if you look at the NHL aside from Tampa Bay this year the Western Conference is absolutely wide open Right, we When you have Nashville and Winnipeg down from where they were last year, Vegas down from where they were last year, St. Louis can win 12 in a row, and now all of a sudden they're within shouting distance of Winnipeg for top mm. spot in the division. Calgary's had a nice year, and San Jose's consistent again, but the wild card chase is a dumpster fire. And everybody kind of feels like they have a shot. Mm. So that's why you're seeing now, if you're Winnipeg, yeah, you made the move, but the Golden Knights made this big play. Nashville makes a good move for Wayne Simmons. And now you you got to get your own players healthy. That's that's really the number one thing. Is the defensemen yeah. for the Jets are hurt. You know, it's, any it, kind of move. It,
0: it, it's funny you see the injuries that came. Uh, you know, in this game uh, just before the trade deadline, which is I guess good that it happened before. But boy, real tight to the trade deadline. You know, it. it I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, injuries aren't good, but you know what I mean? All well, the timing of it's
3: terrible, yeah. right? I, think, I don't think it would have maybe changed too much. I think the Jets would have probably been in on a defenseman anyway, like they were last year bringing in Joe Morrow, who's you know, a good third-pairing guy. Joe Morrow's hurt too, right? We talk about Bufflin and Morsi. Joe Morrow has played good minutes for this team. He's also out. So they got three guys that are hurt right now. Sammy Niku's playing okay, but they would like to have their players healthy again. Yeah. Uh we're still gonna wait and see what happens over the next 20 minutes. If yeah. the Jets do bring in somebody else to play on the blue line or a forward up front, but I don't think they, I don't think they lost the day by any means. Mm. I think Hayes is a good pickup. Yeah, it's but it's trade deadline's always a wait and see proposition. Well,
0: look what Bill just texted me 204 There's a picture oh, yeah. of uh, uh, there's a picture Kevin of Hayes. Kevin Hayes when he was I don't know maybe three, two or th- three or four, wearing his Winnipeg Jets jersey. Yes. And you know what? There is something about this city and this province that hockey fans love that stuff, right? They like right. to see, you know, a, a kid who yeah. cheered for the Jets. Well, he
3: was asked about it today, yeah. and uh, Keith Kachuk is his cousin. Right. So that's the connection with that jersey, and it is a, it is an objectively... Beautiful jersey. Yes. Even if you cheer for them or not, you have to admit that old Jets jersey is a really nice jersey. But yeah, yeah, he's a guy from Massachusetts. He's coming to Winnipeg. So he knows what uh, kind of a hockey crazy environment is like growing up and playing college hockey in Boston. I think they're going to love him here. And I remember when Paul Stastny was introduced the first night he was on this team. And when he scored, it was one of the loudest cheers you'll hear in a regular season game. Now, they were playing Nashville, so it was already an amped up environment. Mm -hmm. And by the way, they have natural Friday mm. at home. So I think their fans here are always bent towards optimism. I think they want to cheer for somebody. They want to yeah. show you the love. Right. And I think that's got to be exciting for someone like Hayes to go from a situation in New York, which is the only place he's played, to, it's an interesting sports city, but mm-hmm. there's just so many things there. But they weren't winning. They are rebuilding. It's
0: going to be a big change for him, too, eh? You know, going from New York City to Winnipeg. Well,
3: in terms of off the ice, certainly there's a lot less to do, and it's kind of the inverse for Stone going from Ottawa to Vegas. Mm. But in Mm. terms of playing in a a loud arena for a winning team, at the trade deadline, as much as you don't want to leave your friends behind, that's got to be exciting to go to a place where you have a legitimate shot to win a Stanley Cup.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, Christian O'Mill, of course, you'll have it all tonight, 7 o'clock, uh, 7 to 9 on the CJOB Sports Show. And do me a favor, anything trickles in, uh, let us know, okay? All right, let's jump like in. Marcus in and, and
3: Johansson going to Boston from Washington or from New Jersey is another thing that just came in. Bye. All
0: right. But joining us right now on the phone, Sanjay Abraham. He is the business manager, University of Manitoba Space Applications and Technology Society. Hi, Sanjay. Hey, how's it going? Great. Thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. Congratulations. Right off the start here, congratulations on winning the Canadian Satellite Design <laughs> Challenge.
4: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It was definitely a full team effort. It's too bad that we can't have all 80 people on the phone, but thank you for your congratulations.
0: Well, you're representing all <laughs> of them, and I appreciate you doing this. So uh, you got the award today. Mm-hmm. Yes, And uh, yes. tell us a bit about the award. Is it a plaque, a trophy? Just tell us a bit about it.
4: Sure. sure. the The competition that we won was actually last summer, but it took till today to actually get the award. Uh, we got a trophy in the summer, but this uh, today the one of the board members from the competition was kind enough to fly out here with a check for uh, ten thousand dollars and present it at our school, which was a huge honor for us to have that ceremony here.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Ten grand, what's that gonna go to?
4: <laughs> well, that's going to go to more capital expenses. We're just going to keep upgrading our abilities to do more satellites. And this year we actually started a rocketry program as well. Uh but most of the 10K will go to more, you know, testing equipment, a workstation, that sort of thing.
0: And this satellite design, it's actually your fourth or fifth version. Which is it?
4: It's it's our fourth version. It's our fourth version.
0: And yeah, so, so from number one to number four, how has it changed? Mm, it's a good question.
4: Uh, we had all four of them lined up today here at the school, and you could really see how it changed and how it improved. Um, for one, the payload, the experiments that we were running on the satellite definitely changed. We switched from a tardigrade-based microbiology experiment to an anabana bacteria-based experiment, which made things a lot easier. I know I'm going into details, but I should probably... stick to something more general for example like the solar panels deploy on the fourth one and on the first one they didn't so that gives satellite more surface area to get uh, energy from the sun you know that sort of thing so just minor improvements They, they look the same a bit to the naked eye but there are these certain system improvements that along the way just learning how to do things better Uh, That definitely helped, for sure.
0: And, you know, over the years, um, there have been other uh, winners like this in in Winnipeg and in Manitoba. What is it about us here uh, and these advancements in space? Is it the aerospace industry that's really present here, or or what is it?
4: Hmm, That's a really interesting question. Uh, We have
0: Magellan Aerospace. I might as well give them a shout-out right now. because
4: They've been super helpful to our process, and... They have the clean room, and they help out, you know, in assembly, and they also help out um, with our design reviews. And uh, actually, a lot of our members, well, we had one member here today that was a founding member that works at Magellan now. And so there's that close connection with Magellan here, which definitely helps us a lot. And the university has been very helpful as well. They've been very supportive of our our ambitions here.
0: Sure. Is that what you'd like to do one day, is work at Magellan or in the space (laughs) industry, or what is your hope? One day... Yeah, one day, one day for sure. For yeah. sure. Hey, w- tell me a little bit about this uh about this satellite. Now, uh, help me here because I'm fuzzy on this. Has this satellite been to space?
4: No, no. So, the fourth one so far, it's our best one yet, but it's not quite space ready, and we're working on a fifth one right now. Uh and this one we hope is the one that actually sees space flight.
0: Wouldn't We're that quite confident
4: be, that we can pull that off, yeah. Wouldn't that be cool, eh? <laughs> that would be amazing.
0: Yeah. How many hours, like you talked about, you know, 80 other people and you wish they could all be on the phone. How many hours do you guys uh, put into this? Because, I mean, obviously you're going to school at the University of Manitoba, but this mm-hmm. society of yours is sort of over and above the schooling. I mean, it must be a lot of work.
4: Oh, for sure. You just need to ask a few of our members and they'll tell you. They put in a lot of hours, especially closer to competition. Uh, people are pulling all-nighters. Um, and yeah, they, it's an amazing group that puts this together, really. We don't keep track of the time we put in, <laughs> but everyone definitely puts over and above
0: what's yeah. expected. So. so you're working on the fifth version of the satellite. What What else? You mentioned the $10,000. What, that's going to something else or to, to get to level five with this?
4: Yeah, let's yeah, it's going to help us in our lab, most, most importantly, uh, you know, with the new workstation and some other capital expenses that'll help, you know, with mm-hmm. analysis, simulation, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Those well, are
4: expensive things, so we'd like to make that purchase. Sure. So.
0: Well, listen, Sanjay, I'm glad you came on for a few minutes today. I remember when you won the award, and I thought, hey, they're getting the award today. Let's uh, <laughs> Let's talk about it again, so I appreciate you coming on.
4: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having
0: me on. Thanks, Sanjay. Sanjay Abraham, he is the business manager at the University of Manitoba and the Space Applications and Technology Society. They uh, won, as he said, last summer, the Canadian Satellite Design Challenge, and they got their trophy and the 10K that came with it today over at the U of M. Very cool. Before we chat with Bruce, Kevin Hayes, we heard about that uh, deal the Jets uh, did today with the New York Rangers, and then you heard in the news at 2.30 with Diana Foxall, Matt Hendricks is coming here from Minnesota. Christian O'Meal, host of the CGOB Sports Show weeknights here on CGOB 7 and 9, uh, joins me because there are even more deals for the Winnipeg Jets.
3: Yes, yeah, so they have acquired a couple depth defensemen. Nathan Beaulieu from Buffalo for a 2019 sixth round pick. He's been scratched a lot this season, but he's a left-shot defenseman, kind of very similar Similar to what they brought in with Joe Morrow last year at the deadline, some insurance, especially I'm imagining that Josh Morrissey's injury is going to be fairly substantial. Right. Uh, 30 games this year, three goals, four assists, uh, started in Montreal, five seasons there, and then really hasn't found footing in Buffalo. And I'm also seeing on Twitter now that Bogdan Kiselovich, defenseman from Florida, it's he's a rookie defenseman in Florida also a left shot defenseman. He's an older guy, twenty nine years old. His first year in the NHL, uh, eight assists this season in thirty two games. Has also been brought in on the cheap, so uh, for a seventh round pick. So these last three moves of Hendricks for a seventh, Buljov for a sixth, and Gaselovich for a seventh is basically just Kevin Shoveldav bringing in insurance policies. Right. Hendricks is an insurance policy. He's there for locker room. Yeah, right. He's there for. Uh, the kind of off-ice stuff. Mm. These guys are there in case they can't fill those holes on the left
0: side of the D with injuries piling up. Right. All right, Christian O'Mell, all the sports coming up at 325. And, of course, we'll have tons more tonight and every weeknight here on CJOB from 7 to 9, the CJOB Sports Show. Christian O'Mell, my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson, patiently waiting on the phone to talk weather with me here. Hi, Bruce. Hi, how are you? I am excellent. Good to see you. So it is very cold. Talk a bit about this cold. How long is it going to hang around? Well, we had the worst of it this morning, and it's going to be
2: cold tonight. Not quite as cold, but it'll be close. It'll be in the you know 28, minus 28, minus 29 area. Tomorrow will be a little bit warmer, maybe about minus 15. It's going to creep up the next couple of days. Thursday might get us mild as minus nine but then another wave of cold air comes in not as severe maybe as cold as minus 27 saturday morning that's not quite as bad as this one and hopefully we'll keep the wind chills above minus 40 because i'm sure people are tired of hearing (laughs) the minus 40 because that's one of those
0: that bugs people no kidding that is sort of the point where we go come on yeah. yeah. Um, so the good news is, though, with cold weather, typically we don't have any snow. So if you'd rather have snow than cold, it looks like this forecast is for you.
2: Right, because there's looks like no measurable precipitation in the next week. And here's something, though, you wouldn't have thought of this, except for some geek like me coming up with it. Guess what happens 13 days from today? I don't know. The clocks change. Ah. That's how late we are in the season. Wow. So it's it's a cold spell and I don't see it getting really mild or anything close to freezing over the next two weeks. One of these days, I'll see that in a long-range
0: model. I don't see it yet. All right. I got to ask you because a listener texted in earlier and said, get Bruce. And Bruce, when you were on last time, I think you were talking about the snow and the moisture level. We're, we're waiting to get, you know, some flood predictions from the province. And the listener was wondering, what do we know about the snow that's on the ground? Has it got lots of moisture? Not so much. What do we know? It's drier than usual because most
2: of it fell when it was relatively cold. It wasn't like minus two or zero or minus three. It was minus 15, minus 20, and even colder when a lot of this snow fell. Right. So it has a lot less moisture in it. Say you get 20 centimeters of this snow, you're going to get a lot less melted precipitation than if you had a heavier, wetter snow with that same amount of depth. All right. And so the big key to the flooding is going to be do we get a big snow in March or early April that has a lot of moisture because that would affect it probably more than this snow alone, plus how fast does it melt. If it's a slow melt and we don't get a big storm over the next six weeks, flooding will probably not be much of a problem at all. If we get a big snow and we get a fast melt, watch out.
0: I got a a meteorologist on tomorrow from the Weather Network. They're out with their spring forecast today, but the meteorologist is coming on tomorrow to talk about it. Here's what their forecast says about the prairies, and I'll get you to weigh in on this. A rather wintry pattern will continue through early March, but a pattern change will bring some long-awaited relief mid to late March. Deeper than normal snow cover in some areas will bring a risk of flooding. The prairies are notorious for their wild swings in weather, and this spring should solidify that reputation. After a period of warmer spring weather, threats of colder, wintry weather will continue through the season.
2: Right. Well, What they're saying, we'll get a little bit of a warm-up in the middle of the month or the latter part of the month, and then it goes back to cold again. I mean, that's possible. And we'll just have to see what comes together. Now, about a week from now, uh, I should have the new El Nino numbers, and I'm thinking they're not going to be terribly strong because of what we're getting. It makes me think the El Nino is, has been weakening even more. But uh, I, that may give a clue to some extent what we would see in the spring. But over the next two weeks, I can tell you I don't see a big warm-up. But you never when, when I see a big warm-up, I'll let you know and we'll talk about it.
0: All right, Bruce. Uh, by the way, I want to get you on soon and talk about signs of spring. Somebody the other day said, "How I saw a bald eagle. It's a sign of spring. And then the controversy began, all kinds of people saying, that's not a sign of spring. They stay here all year and back and forth. So I'm going to get you on soon. We'll talk about signs of spring that we should be watching for, okay? Oh,
2: okay. And, right. and hopefully, like I said, hopefully in July, I won't see the trees changing color this <laughs> yeah. year. We know that hasn't worked out well. I mean, the prediction was right, but yeah. the results weren't what everybody wanted. Exactly.
0: Okay, pal, thanks a lot. All right. Talk to you later. That is my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson. Best way to get to his website is to go to my website, halanderson.ca. halanderson.ca. You click on the picture of Bruce and you'll get right to his website. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.